everyone and welcome back to another episode of the life of a fashion student podcast with me your host christina ang welcome to a new interview series on my podcast where i sit down with the students designers entrepreneurs innovators and thought leaders who are making a big impact in the fashion industry right now today on the pod i'm talking to makeup artist creative producer and founder of the fashion workers initiative justine sweetman The Fashion Workers Initiative began as a community and advocacy group for freelancers working in the fashion industry. As an organization of volunteers, their mission is to end the exploitation of independent contractors in the New York fashion industry landscape. On top of all her work with the Fashion Workers Initiative, Justine also co-founded Real New Collective, which is a production company and community of artists that creates, develops, and produces film and digital media. They've worked with brands such as Club Monaco, Montiel, Jonesy, and Vitruvi to produce films that are rooted in care, respect, and collaboration. There's so much to unpack in today's episode that I can't wait to get into, so without further ado, here's Justine Sweetman. Hi Justine, it's so nice to have you on my podcast today. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So can you, let's start off, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you studied or majored in, in school, and what your role is currently in the industry? Uh, sure. Um, I studied business management in college. Uh, that's what my degree is in. And right now I am, uh, I'm a makeup artist, uh, but I also run my own production company called Mm -hmm. real new collective so yeah i'm kind of doing both at the moment Mm -hmm. yeah you're doing a whole bunch of things and you've had crazy success so can you talk more about how what your you know early internship and career journey kind of looked like for you to get to this point Mm, i was never an intern i'll say that um i didn't i didn't go that route and i kind of i would say broke into the industry uh, through makeup. Um, I was doing a lot of makeup for my friend's student films. And then when I landed in New York, I just really hustled. And I think I used a lot of Craigslist, actually. But this was like 2012. Uh-huh. So Instagram wasn't really a thing. Um, yeah, I found a lot of connections that way. I just started really putting myself out there, taking like any job I could find. Um, some good, some bad. And eventually, you know, I connected with the right people and that sort of, you know, snowballed. And a lot of it was really word of mouth, like people passing my name along. And then, yeah, I just, I kind of kept working with people I liked. And eventually, Mm -hmm. you know, I got some really great clients and yeah, (laughs) Um, that kind of, you know, and then long, long story, but I eventually, um, you know, kind of got a little bored of just doing makeup. So I started branching out into doing producing. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did the makeup, how did that creative part of doing makeup kind of turn into production and like producing? Well, you know, I was doing makeup for a long time and I sort of fell into this, you know, I'll call it like a golden handcuffs situation uh-huh. where I was working in e-com um, almost full time. It was like a permalancing kind of a job I would say so I was there Mm -hmm. every week 
doing kind of like the same makeup looks um and it was just really mind-numbing <laughs> uh and yeah, i had always I been bad. interested in yeah um i'd always been interested in filmmaking so i started chatting with a friend of mine and you know she is a woman in film as well and we were you know kind of comparing notes i guess about our experiences in the industry and how we wanted things to look versus how they actually did look mm -hmm. and yeah we started just kind of filming um you know some small projects and again like connected with the right people and you know I would yeah. say during the pandemic I was really able to surprisingly had a, I had a lot of time uh yeah, yeah I was yeah I was able to kind of solidify that and, and really make my transition there mm -hmm. and what is permalancing, by the way? All these terms being thrown around. I mean, I, I mm. I'm gonna ask you later. Um, a little talk a little bit more about like what freelancing actually is, but I've never actually heard the term permalancing before. Yeah, permalancing is it's basically you're working a a full time job, mm -hmm. um, but you don't get paid any benefits. Mm -hmm. So and yeah, throughout most of your experience, has it been mostly paid experiences? You have 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 you ever done any unpaid work before i you know the the times that i've done unpaid work um yes i have mm -hmm. i guess the short answer is that yes i have but that work has been test shooting so okay. you know shooting with other creatives that are also looking to build their portfolios yeah um you know we're, we're really just kind of creating art together that yeah. that's when i think working for free is okay when like a collaboration basis yeah, exactly. The collaboration, you know, like the power dynamic is is not skewed, really. It's like you're on the same playing field, essentially. You're, you know, yeah, you're collaborating, you're making art with people that you like, um, yeah. your friends or, or other folks that you, you know, come into contact with. Um, yeah, that, and I've done a lot of that. Obviously, you kind of have to, I think, to, to build your, your makeup portfolio or mm -hmm. whatever type of portfolio you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make, that makes sense. I mean, I think there's there isn't a, like a fine line between whether unpaid work is like, you know, fair or not fair. I think people can like make their own opinions about that, especially if you are going to, I mean, it's, I think it's a little bit different when it's like some of the un unpaid work in fashion is like, you're getting compensated through clothing or like free items. Uh -huh. That's, that's a little <laughs> bit touchy. I think, but, but if you're getting something out of it, like, um, yeah, work for your portfolio as well. I think those things are fine. Yeah. I mean, I have pretty strong feelings about unpaid internships I think that if somebody is benefiting off of your labor you should get paid okay yeah really that's I, like that I mean yeah yeah because you know if you think about it you you are going into an office or you know working remotely or doing whatever you, you're putting all these hours of your time and time is so finite you know it's like <laughs> it's like this resource that is, is just not renewable you know it's like we only yeah. have so much time and you're giving that time to a company or to an individual and you're not getting paid for it, and they're monetizing it in some way. Yeah, um, and and time is money. Some people yeah. don't realize that. The yeah, companies absolutely. don't realize that, yeah. So what has been – have you had any, like, resources or, like, how have you been able to identify these paid work opportunities? You said, like, Craigslist is how you were doing some of that, but – <laughs> yeah that was also like you know at this point 10 years ago oh yeah so, <laughs> I don't know I haven't you know checked out the Craigslist landscape uh, mm -hmm. anytime recently but that's how I was finding work it was I mean and, and now I'm sure there's other options I mean maybe there's 
you know, actually, that's a great question. I don't know mm-hmm. if I was starting out right now how I would find work. Maybe I would, I guess I'm just speaking as like a makeup artist. I would maybe yeah, like freelancing out. work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if you're an artist that's just starting out or creative, possibly just, you know, cold emailing um, mm-hmm. agencies whose artists you want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, an, a way that I guess I started assisting, that's a really good way to kind of get in mm-hmm. because you are getting paid to assist. Okay. Um, yeah. you know, I, I had like a very, you know, limited portfolio at that point, but I did, you know, reach out to makeup agencies that I, who's, you know, whose artist work I liked. Um, mm-hmm. and I just asked if I could be on their assistant roster and I, you know, did that to a lot of different agencies and eventually started getting calls back or, you know, emails, whatever. And, yeah. um, yeah, then finding the artists that you like, finding someone that treats you with respect, finding someone that you really connect with, and then they bring you on jobs. They refer you that that's a good way, I think, to kind of get your foot in the door. Yeah. I think a, like a pattern I'm seeing throughout a lot of your experiences is kind of like leveraging connections and networking, which is really important. And I don't think it's talked about enough, but I, Yeah. Great points I mean, you make. That's, I mean, honestly, that's all it is. I think <laughs> that's, yeah. It at the is, end of the day, at the end of the day, it's like, even though we have different avenues now, again, with like Instagram and TikTok and, you know, whatever else, it really is just human connection. If, mm-hmm. if you, if you work on a job and even if you're just assisting, people are noticing you. People see what you're doing, the producer, exactly. or like maybe it's even like another, like a production assistant who, again, is like sort of on your same level. Um, but maybe at some point they will be the ones in a position to hire you, you know, you, and if you actually yeah. make a good connection with them, um, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of come up together. That's sort of how I look at it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so can you tell my audience a little bit more about what freelancing is? Because especially since my audience is a lot of students and early career professionals, and especially for creatives, I think freelancing is a great way to break into space. Like you said, make connections, make a little bit of money on the side. Um, So that's something that I think a lot of my audience can benefit from. So can you talk a little bit more about what it is, like what the process is, how to get into freelancing if they're interested? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a really big question or (laughs) a broad topic, but essentially, you know, and do your research. Don't don't take my word for this. But mm-hmm. essentially, freelancing is you are self-employed. So that means when you get paid from a company or from an individual, they're paying you directly. You're not getting like a W two. Um, you know, you're getting. I believe it's like whatever. I won't get into super tax specific. But <laughs> you're you're not getting paid as an employee of that company. They're not taking taxes out. You are just getting paid as like a sole proprietor unless you have your own business set up Mm -hmm. um so you're free to work with whoever you want but you know there's kind of pitfalls to that too where there's not really like hr there's no protection essentially so it's kind of like the wild west a little bit where you know you really have to be selective about who you're working with um i mean you know again you can have a contract that you can do some things to kind of help protect yourself as you're moving through it but yeah essentially you are self-employed yeah. And I always had, I always, this is something that I always wondered, do freelancers typically make more than a regular employee, if that makes sense? I know because they're not really getting paid hourly. So the kind of the rate is project based, right? So how does that really work? I was always curious about that. Yeah, it depends. You know, I, I can only, I shouldn't say only, but from someone like me who's doing like, I'm, I'll speak to my makeup work because that's different than my production work. But 
for makeup, I'm getting paid essentially like a day rate. Um, so I'm getting paid blank, whatever amount of money that I obviously agree upon with the client for the day and a day, you know, you typically is like 10 hours. Um, Mm -hmm. it can be more, but usually it's like 10 to 12 hours is like a full day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's less, it just, that's like the sort of like the maximum amount of money that I'm going to get, or sorry, like, uh, that's the maximum amount of hours I would work for that rate. So, yeah. So I, I do think honestly, I don't know. It depends. It depends what kind of job it is. Um, I think you can make much more money freelancing because Mm -hmm. the day rates tend to be so much higher than an hourly Mm -hmm. wage. But then I guess when you think about, you know, you start doing the math, like, okay, you have to pay your own taxes out of that. Yeah. You know, you're paying for like your, your kit, your materials, your whatever else goes into your process that you need to um, you know, do the job with. Um, so, I mean, of course, they should cover it if you're a stylist and you're going out and they give you a budget for, you know, rentals or mm-hmm, purchases, mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, I think it, it just depends. Like you really can make a lot more, but then you can go with like an agency. And, and, and even if you're with an agency, you're still technically a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Got you. Um, and in your experience, a lot of people considering freelancing is it something that you should have on the side with like a full-time job or a part-time job or is it something that you can or would advise you know to do to rely on freelancing and just have that as your um sole job uh I will I mean I've never had a real job (laughs) you know I I worked at like a makeup counter when I was in college but since I graduated college in like 2010 I haven't had um like a that's salaried super, that's job. cool uh-huh. yeah so it I I guess you know if you did have a full-time job and let's say you did have a couple freelancing clients perhaps your job would give you flexibility where you could in theory you know do some days here and there yeah but I think the thing with freelancing is that everything can be very last minute so if you're yeah yeah, so (laughs) yeah if you're like beholden to a a nine to five and you can't get the time off then that might not be ideal but you know and I do know some people that do kind of like private clients on the side like styling um I guess I'm talking about styling because I'm thinking of like fashion um yeah yeah, yeah, for sure of what your kind of trajectory might be but Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like you could have a private client, maybe that you you just kind of help them to kind of pull looks for like an event they're going to, something like that. I mm-hmm. mean, you you can figure it out uh, mm-hmm. possibly, but I don't. You can't balance both. I think long term. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe somebody could. I know. I I always I think freelance like stylists are are that's a really interesting thing. Something that has interested me, and I know a lot of um, my peers are interested in that as well and people think it's like an easy job because it's like oh you're just like styling someone but I I I, it's far from that (laughs) I I've always thought that the stylist assistant is like the hardest job on set there we go yeah like oh the stylist assistant I think the assistant because it's like they're the ones that are schlepping they're the ones that are doing the pickups they're the ones that are doing the returns they're the ones that are like really doing all the work um like of course the stylist is working very hard I'm not saying that but I I think in terms of like the 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 person power like the legwork that you have to do like I mean (laughs) one of my best friends I mean I have a lot of I have a lot of good friends that are stylists but I just remember being landing in New York she was 
assisting i we would be on like the subway platform and she would be like carrying like 10 bags of shoes or something Mm -hmm. like just running to set you know like just (laughs) it's it's physically a very tough job to be a stylist assistant yeah so anyone listening who wants to become (laughs) who get into that that's what you're gonna have to look forward to i mean that's so interesting because i mean stylist assistant like you said they're going to get paid but a lot of the work and from my experience unpaid internships in fashion when I was doing them early on I was running back and forth in the garment district picking up bolts of fabric picking up samples so it's just and but that part I wasn't getting paid so Mm. it's just the difference in that is yeah there's a lot of my friends who are doing that like now so it's not really like an old practice it's still it's still practice yeah yeah I mean you know I again I don't know a lot about the world of unpaid internships um mm-hmm. I have been approached through my production company and you know people wanting to intern with me and that's I'm like that's one of the first things I say is like I don't offer unpaid internships I will pay you if, you know I, I mean yeah it's really just me running the show but um yeah I mean I think if there is someone like that is interested in getting into like freelance stylist work you do get paid for those pickup days and return days so mm-hmm. yeah um even though it's hard and you're schlepping and you're running back and forth like you said there there is opportunity to get paid there because you're getting yeah. paid while you're on set but you're also getting paid for like those days before and after the yeah. shoot yeah it definitely feels a little better when you're doing those manual labor things and you're like okay i'm getting paid at the end of the day mm-hmm. <laughs> not sure. paid enough definitely not yeah enough, for sure i mean that's that's always going to be a, a struggle in our industry i feel like um, can we talk a little bit more about the Fashion Workers Initiative? Um, and for those who are listening who don't know what you guys do, would you care to explain a little bit more about about your work? Yeah. So I, um, in addition to my makeup career and also my production company, I also am a member slash founder of the Fashion Workers Initiative. Mm-hmm. It is essentially like a community um, of, of freelance workers that are all in fashion. So photographers, stylists, makeup artists, really anyone, um, models, uh, I'm trying to think, like just any, any hairstylist, anyone that's kind of okay, involved yeah. in like creating a photo shoot or a video production for fashion. Um, mm-hmm. And anyone's welcome. Um, it is just a space where we can come together and talk about, you know, issues and specifically like clients or that are you know quote-unquote bad actors um (laughs) uh you know we can talk about really whatever is uh happening in our lives professionally um and it's just a way to uh, just not feel alone I think that's kind of like our mm, tagline is uh Mm self-employed but not alone Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the thing when you're a freelancer, it, it is kind of scary to be out there and something happens yeah. and you don't really have anywhere to turn. So, you know, we're trying to kind of fill that void and, and have it be a space where people can come if they need help. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about those resources that you guys offer? Because I have a lot of friends who are always at, um, asking me or always asking just in general, just like, oh, like, how do I make an invoice? How, how, what do I know? I don't know anything about contracts. I don't know anything about this and that. And y- I mean, you guys offer information about that. So can you talk a little bit more about that? that? Uh, yeah. So on the website, we have a tab where it just, um, I think it's, I should probably know this, but it's uh, <laughs> um, maybe it's under the initiatives tab, but it, we have like sample contracts you can download. There's a lot of information on there about 
um, what to do in case of blank, you know, something happens. Um, there's a couple different um, options uh, for people to, you know, go through and to see like their course of action if, if something like a non-payment happens. Because mm. even though, you know, we're self-employed, the city of New York does offer certain resources uh, for freelancers. It's not ideal. And that's something that we're kind of working on behind the scenes okay. yeah. um, because you know, like the freelance isn't free act. It, it, it does provide protection, um, but it's not enforced enough in our opinion. So that, that is something we've been talking to like city officials about and trying to get them to have it become more of like a topic of discussion because it, it it's like this, I don't want to get too into the weeds, but the mm-hmm. freelance isn't free act. It, in theory, it's great. But in practice, I think a lot of freelancers are hesitant to use it because they're scared of like retaliation or Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to rock the boat essentially and lose a client, even though that client perhaps is like not paid them for like six months. Mm, Yeah, that can be a little tricky. Mm -hmm. Um, I know. I Yeah, these guidelines are always a little bit it's just like it's, it's so ambiguous, I guess, because I mean, I've been doing a lot of research, too, for like the line between being an employee and an intern and that is super it's not it's super gray area so yeah i think legislation needs to like it step it up a little bit in yeah all, yeah no for sure I, and i think it's like you know like there's uh the model alliance who's doing amazing work they i think uh, i can't remember the name of the um the legislator but i think maybe his last name is Hoyt. Anyway, they, they've introduced the the Fashion Workers Act, which um, mm-hmm. is kind of specifically about agencies. Oh, that um, was recent. That was recent. I saw that. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. within the past couple of weeks, I think, that uh-huh. the news broke about it. But like that's it, – it's an amazing step forward. Um, basically from – again, don't take my word for it. Do your research. But I, I believe it, it targets um, agencies that employ creatives and trying to close loopholes that – you know, allow them to exploit the people that they represent. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, I saw that the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day, I also watched your interview with the Freelancers Union, which was really insightful. But you talked about some of those red flags and precautions um, when ca- kind of taking on new clients in freelance. Can you talk a little bit more about what those red flags are? Yeah. I mean, there's so many, but I think the main thing I would say just to kind of keep it simple is if somebody approaches you wanting to hire you as a freelancer, don't be afraid to ask them questions. You know, ask them and you can do this in a nice way. You know, first of all, if they're DMing you, if they're texting you, get it onto email because if you have it on email and you can say it nicely, you know, like, hey, just – Yep. Can we just move this to email just to keep everything in one place? You know, something simple. Um, Get it in email so you have like a paper trail. You have something to refer to. You can, you know, you have the receipts essentially. Yeah. Um, But, you know, ask them about the job. What uh, what's the rate? First of all, Um, what are the payment terms? Like when can I expect payment for this? Yeah. What is the scope of work? Like what exactly do you need me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, please, you know, ask them to share creative references, like a visual deck, like whatever they have. Um, you ask them like how many hours, how many models we'd be dressing or doing makeup for, or just, you know, whatever it is really, you know, get into the specifics because, and, and if, 
And if they can provide you all that information, that's a great sign. Mm-hmm. Um, really, they should be providing you the, all that information without you even asking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think feeling empowered to ask them questions um, is 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 a great, you know, that's that's my biggest advice. Just ask all the questions. Don't be afraid. If they're giving you weird pushback about it, that's a bad sign. Yeah. Um, if okay. they're really vague about the payment terms, if they're vague about certain details, that's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's helpful for me because I've done some freelancing, but now for my thesis, I've hired a freelance graphic designer to actually help me on my project. So it was mm-hmm. my first time like employing a freelancer, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I had to do a lot of research and ask a lot of people questions in terms of like, you know, I, I really wanted to make her feel comfortable and confident and like that I was professional as well. So yeah, it's, it's I think it's a learning process, but I think what is so great about freelancing is because it's kind of like an agreement between two well, like two um two people. Mm-hmm. So it it's it's been pretty chillax with me working with her right now because we've agreed on a lot of different things, but it's like not we're not like sending contracts back and forth um because I'm working with another student. But yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think that again like back to like that power dynamic, right? Like y'all are yeah. both students. So Yeah, exactly. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Like if you were like the owner of a multi-million dollar company you know it's like probably have a contract somewhere (laughs) in there you should definitely have a contract yeah and (laughs) and that's also something I I always recommend is like if it is a paid job where it's like a company is hiring you or an individual um you should not be afraid to ask for a contract and actually legally if the job is over eight hundred dollars under like the freelancers and free act they're legally required to give you a contract so oh um, okay yeah I didn't know that Right, which is a bummer because that information is not – it's there, but it's <laughs> exactly. not there. Like, nobody knows. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they, they should and, – and a contract can be super simple. It can just be, like, one page just outlining, like, the scope of work, the payment terms, the mm-hmm. dates, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. There, I feel like there's this, like, whole world to freelancing, which I find so cool because I remember when I did my first thing, they were, like, sending words like S-O-W, and I was like, I have no idea what this means. Hey, and all of those abbreviations, <laughs> scope of where I was like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> I had to, like, look all of it up. So it's its own little world that's just interesting. Um, that never so just, ends, by the way. Like, I still oh. get sent things. I'm like, mm-hmm, let me just one second, <laughs> and then I look just it up. All these abbreviations. Yeah. The other day I got one was, like, JD, and it took me hours to figure out what that meant. It was job description. Just- Job, job description oh no that's no they they should <laughs> they should have just yeah. wrote it out i know yeah, it's not yeah. a real abbreviation <laughs> but i was so confused and i was figuring <laughs> it out for the longest time um justine you've made your opinion pretty clear on like unpaid work and fashion um so i'd love to know what kind of advice because a lot of the audience that i'm listening to right now you know are either students and doing unpaid internships but i have a lot of friends who find themselves in exploitive situations and it's kind of sad to hear um about their experiences so Mm -hmm. what advice would you have for them to get out of those situations without kind of like burning bridges because I think that's one of the things that we're most scared of in this industry is like yeah just like making bad impression burning bridges because you know fashion industry everyone talks and all that kind of stuff so what's your advice (sighs) on that I mean that's hard I you know so I guess in in a situation what you're describing is that someone has entered into a unpaid internship and it just turns out to be what ex- exploitative like yeah not being treated yep. in a, a way that's mm-hmm. appropriate yep I I think you know even if you're scared of burning a bridge is that I think if you can exit in a way that feels professional um mm-hmm. where you just really stay on topic like hey this is just not 
kind of working out. Like, thank you for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I do feel that bad actors kind of time has sort of, I don't want to say come to an end because obviously we're talking about like a huge systematic problem here. Mm -hmm. But I think if they have such a bad reputation, um, or I guess I'll let me back up. I think if, if they're treating one person that way, they will probably be the ones with the bad reputation, not you. Yeah. Um, and also too, it's like, I I think there's this whole, uh, there's this feeling of like secrecy within the fashion industry mm-hmm. that people don't like to talk about their experiences. They feel ashamed. Um, I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I did something wrong because I X, Y, or Z, whatever. But it's like, at the end of the day, you know, in your gut when you're being treated not right you know Mm -hmm. and I think it's so important to kind of follow that instinct and again there are ways you can kind of exit in a professional way and if someone reacts poorly then that's not on you that's on them yeah I I am starting to see what you were saying is so interesting yeah I feel like every everyone not everyone but um, a lot of people in the industry are kind of like scared to talk about I mean I'm scared to talk about some of my experiences sometimes but I think there is starting to be like a change especially like you know like Instagram uh, accounts like Diet Prada mm-hmm. kind of just like exposing and putting those things out there. Um, it it's really I mean I love Diet Prada. It's super empowering. I like want to meet the the two people the two people who run it um, <laughs> because I just like and they've built a whole team. They I think they just started as an Instagram account that was doing it, and now they're this like whole organization and everything. And Absolutely. people look up to them in the industry. Yeah, yeah, I th- and you know it's like them, like shit model management. There's a couple others. Um, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, there shit, shit model management is really funny, but um, yeah, there's uh, I I do I feel like the the you know pandemic really accelerated um people's <laughs> I would say like lack of tolerance for for dealing with any of this abuse. You know, I think people feel it's the tolerance seems- for bullshit. Yeah, the, bull- the bullshit tolerance is like gone down. It's like no more. Like I think people are just over it. They nobody wants to be treated this it. way anymore. It's like come on, like uh, that's and on you know kind of circling back. Like that is sort of the way that the Fashion Workers Initiative started. Was I was working again for this big massive retail group um, mm-hmm. in New York, and they tried to retroactively change their payment terms um and blamed it on the pandemic so let's say we were on mm-hmm. uh a net 30 meaning like we get paid within 30 days of the time yeah. we did the job um yeah. they tried to change it to net i think it was 120 yeah i know i i when i heard there was net net 30 for me is like still a long time because like if you're doing something and you've completed it, you have within a month to get paid, which is kind of crazy to me. But net 130, I'm just like, like by the time you're getting paid, like I don't even know. It's unreasonable. It, yeah. and, it, and it's like, again, under the Freelances and Free Act, technically they are legally obligated to pay you within 30 days um, mm-hmm. unless it's like specifically agreed upon otherwise. So like if somebody doesn't give you a contract that you both sign off on saying, hey, I'm cool with like, more than 30 day payment then the default is 30 days and you could Mm -hmm. really take them to small claims if you wanted to go there but anyway yeah so during the pandemic like they tried to change well they did change the payment terms and then the company (laughs) did this thing that a lot of massive companies do they they declared bankruptcy um so all the payments that were owed to people from prior to their bankruptcy claim were now going to have to like go through bankruptcy court to get you know like recovered so i as soon as i got that 
um, initial email about the payment terms changing, I threatened them with legal action. And I said, if you don't pay me within like two weeks, I was like, I'm yeah. going to send you a lawsuit essentially. And they paid me. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> and then they did wind up declaring bankruptcy. Um, I have a few friends that actually still work with them and they still haven't gotten paid for all that work before they kind of reformed as like a new company and it's outrageous. Wait, um, so they weren't going to pay you at all or, or they delayed it? To like so, right. So what they were trying to do was they changed. So all, all the money, let's say that, you know, we, I'll just use me as an example um, mm -hmm. just for ease they were trying to say that the money that they owed me that they were originally going to pay me within like the 30-day window of the job being completed was now going to be paid within 120 days of the job being completed okay um yeah. and then that's when I you know again like threatened them with legal action but then after that they declared bankruptcy. I'm not sure how long after they sent that initial um, I think it was a couple months later they sent another email company-wide uh -huh. saying like hey, we're declaring bankruptcy, so all of the payments that, you know, were owed to you, you'll have to now go through small or uh, through bankruptcy court to recover, essentially. Oh, oh my, yeah, no, that's, I mean. Yeah, it was, I mean, like, it was, uh, I, I'm, it, it enraged me so much that I, I reached out to the freelancers union, and I told them what was going on, and then I, like, uh, sent like basically like a huge email blast to like all of my friends that were also on the photo teams for this you know um mm -hmm. for this company and yeah we had this like big conversation some not everyone but a lot of folks had you know met with the freelancers union we had a big conversation about like what was going on and we also just really talked about just the issues that we were facing in in fashion and I think the folks at the freelancers union really were shocked because again, nobody really talks about what's happening mm -hmm. behind the scenes in fashion. There's, there's so much exploitation going on. Yeah. I mean, that's why when I talked to some of the other people I was interviewing for my podcast um, about kind of some of the exploitation that has been happening in like their own partnerships, they were like shocked to hear that it's still happening. They were like, mm. they thought it was something in the past. And I was like, no, it's very much still present. Maybe not as present as, a couple years ago but still happening nevertheless um absolutely so, justine i want to end with a it's a big question but <laughs> what kind of change do you think needs to be made within our industry um and are we are you seeing those changes happen like whether it's legislation or what needs to be kind of done that's a big question but. it's yeah it's a big question and obviously you know it's very nuanced and there's just there's so much to unpack there but i think Legislation, yes. I think the Fashion Workers Act is a huge step forward. I think that coupled with the Freelance Isn't Free Act is like a really strong kind of front. Mm -hmm. I do think that – I'll just speak to New York City because that's the industry that I yeah. know. Yeah. Um, I do think that there needs to be a dedicated freelancer um, you know, branch of – you For know, sure like city government essentially like to deal with freelance specific issues because i have had to call you know like the olps before. yeah i don't even know who you would call i don't even know who you would call yeah there there's um the new york department of consumer and worker protection is who you would 
call, but they are not very familiar really with freelance specific issues. And when you do reach out to them, it does take a minute to kind of explain what's going on. So I think having a branch of, you know, again, like city government that would enforce these laws, not only like understand what our needs are specifically as as freelancers, but also have like the teeth to enforce them. Because if companies yeah. aren't really getting penalized in any way for violating these laws, then there's really, they have no incentive to to change their bad practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's step, not should say not step one, but that that's that would be huge. Um, mm-hmm. And also too, I think what you're doing, you know, like educating like students and people that are just getting into the industry mm-hmm. on what their rights are and really empowering them to feel like, hey, you know what, if, if I'm not being treated okay, I can say no. Mm-hmm. Um, collective yeah. bargaining, I think that's really, really huge. Like, uh, I think seeing what like, you know, Amazon like union has done, what like the Starbucks unions have done. I think there's so much more, um, there's so much potential there for people to really just collectively, if we can all kind of have these open and honest conversations to say no and to 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 not put up with again like getting yeah. um yeah to not to saying no to being exploited to to recognizing these taking the, these signs yeah basically taking the courage that you did to like reach out and get paid like that is what n- needs to happen more but um i think it's super important because freelancing is i'm i'm like whenever i'm looking at like job you know opportunities everyone's looking for freelancers these days you know big companies small companies mm-hmm. it's so i think the freelancers are on the rise you know everyone kind of is looking for them to hire freelancers yeah and and i think you know recognizing your value as, as an employee or a worker or whatever freelancer um not being afraid to ask for what you want and what you deserve like mm-hmm. knowing that you should be getting paid you know x y or z whatever like you, you know knowing what you're worth and 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 saying no um to rates and to uh you know i guess conditions working environments that are that are not okay um yeah. i think really the power of saying no that that's that that's that's really important yeah the, the fashion industry is definitely a yes industry yes sure. and for sure and and again like n- you know kind of breaking the silence not being afraid to speak mm-hmm. out um even if it's in like as you know a, a safe environment just by you telling someone that you trust i guess like hey I had this really bad experience with this client it would prevent them from also working with that client and then yeah you know word of mouth it could go a long way exactly it could go so far for sure mm-hmm. and just even telling that one person would could help I don't know make such a difference in in their life yeah because I mean a lot of things in fashion is also word of mouth spread through word of mouth as well 100% for sure that's all the questions I have for you Justine um last thing is where can our listeners kind of connect with you and find you on you know whether it's your website or social media you just give yourself a quick plug right now uh okay my socials I guess you can you can find my production company um real new collective at real new collective r-e-a-l-n-e-w collective and the fashion workers initiative is fashion workers nyc on instagram okay thank you so much Justine yeah thank you